Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Welcome back to another week of Tis the Podcast. Now, in case you've forgotten in our absence, Tis the Podcast is the podcast that is determined to keep the spirit of Christmas alive 365 days a year. I'm Tom. I'm Julia. And I expected something over the like more enthusiastic for our return. Like, welcome back, you know, Mr. Cotter style. <laughs> Anthony. <laughs> welcome back. For those of you wondering why the energy level is low, you can blame Mr. Caruso for tonight's movie of choice, but we will get to that. We have not been together on a call in weeks, so how are you all? Well, let's go to Julia first, because she's the one who, well, because her daughter had the audacity to actually graduate high school instead of dropping out years ago. So Julia, tell us uh, all about what you and your family have been up to the past few weeks. I mean, she hasn't technically graduated high school yet. She has graduated technical school, though. So she had one graduation for her photography class stuff that she's been doing over the last two years. We've had a band banquet or the great exiting of the seniors, which is super bittersweet. Listeners, I want to say Julie's just being semantic because when we go on hiatus again next week, it's because Hannah's actually graduating. That's right. And I got to put that in my pocket for next week. Um, she, uh, They do so much more stuff now for seniors than they did when we were seniors, I feel like. I've noticed that locally too, just seeing like all the events and I'm like, man, this is like a five-month I mean, funerals waiting for people to say goodbye to each other well and i'm a terrible senior mother because there are some senior moms that have been doing senior sunday for this entire year so every what sunday they mean? post a kid picture and then a, a now picture to like compare how their kid has grown for a whole year a whole school year and i'm like i'm not doing that i'm sorry. exhausted I exhausting you, but i can't do that <laughs> Have all this other stuff I'm trying to do. So it is though. I mean, it's it's luckily for you, Hannah. I mean, I don't know her, but judging from what I do know about her, she doesn't seem like the type who would care very much that you haven't been doing that. No, she doesn't. And I don't think any of my kids well, Gabe probably will, but I don't know that any of the other ones will care too much if I don't fully commit to the senior parent moment. If you know in advance, Gabe is gonna care. You should start collecting those pictures yeah. now. There you go. When you have two kids very close in age, um, and specifically like Hannah and Ethan being one school year apart from one another, even though there's two years difference between them. Like I told Hannah, I'm like, bless you, rough draft child, but I'm doing all of these things for you. And I'm staging myself for success next year when Ethan's a senior. So like I was going through trying to find pictures of her for every year of schooling. And while I'm doing that, 
you better believe I'm also saving Ethan's off to a folder because I'm already in there. So uh -huh. Hannah, as the older child and therefore the test experiment, I sympathize. That's older kids everywhere can relate to being that yeah. in that position. That's accurate. That's absolutely mm -hmm. accurate. <laughs> but which is great. By the time you get to Gabe, uh, to, to, to Jude, you're going to be like, he's going to have tons of photos. He's going to be like the model <laughs> child. <laughs> Some of that is just the multiple kids too, right? Like we didn't have cell phones like this when Hannah was little, where you could just take pictures so easily and they were good quality and stuff like that. So, but. That's true. Because I was about to say, Sarah's one of four and she's the oldest. I mean, she was born in 87 and then her brothers within like four years after. So still no cell phones. So like the baby books, Sarah's is like thick. And by the time you get to Neil's, the youngest, it's like two pages filled out. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I think that's how Gabe is going to feel. But then with Jude, there was such a pause between Gabe and Jude that now it's like Jude has a whole bunch of pictures and like Lucy has more pictures than anybody. So we're... <laughs> Really, the truth of pets. really problematic. I have so many dog pictures of my phone, but they're better. But I mean, let's be honest, there are a lot of ways dogs are better than kids. I mean, there is a reason why every single social media account of anyone with their dog, no matter how many kids they have, the dog floods the feeds. Yeah, uh, dogs don't go through the annoying teenage years where they pretend to like be all moody and hate you they will always love you that's true but kids don't go through most kids most of my none of my kids went their face where they eat every other animal's poop they can find like regardless mm -hmm. i'm like you know what this dog she's a poop eater most dogs are yeah well do they grow out of that because i'm gonna need that to happen but quick larry's growing out of that that's good they're just mouthy puppies, right? Is that it? Puppies are just mouthy in general. Yeah. They're like right. human babies. They put everything in their mouth. <laughs> I look at her every time she does it. And I'm like, you disgust me. She's like, I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, my fault. We've had such a hiatus. So sorry, listeners. For those of you that have stuck with us, thank you so much. Tom, why don't you go first? You know, things have been good. We're wrapping up Ellie's school year. I'm is she excited, excited to finish for the summer? Is she? It ends on the 19th, and then she has camps and swim lessons and VBS and all the things. Uh, we may be doing a family camp, which will be fun. Ooh. Although I don't know if Christine's going to go or not, so it may just be me and Ellie. Uh, but the kids yeah. stay in kids' cabins at our retreat center, and I would get my own room. But This won't be like Phil Dunphy at family camp. 100% starting that right now. No, I mean, like, do you remember the episode? They were Team White, and he had this the episode. <laughs> shirts made of you and White, you and White, and they're like, oh. Phil. <laughs> That's the one where Luke, where Luke got the hickey. Oh, gosh. And at the end, the whole family came together, and after family camp got canceled, they were going to do family camp 2.0 for Phil, and they all went to New York. Oh, he's one of the great TV dads. Indeed. He's great TV dad. We got to go to two birthday parties this last of the weekend. Wow. Yeah. And Julia, we went to the Luchador matches and Chihuahua races at a uh, local downtown. This mm -hmm. Oh, that's excellent. I love that for Cinco de Mayo. Yep. I, I, I know it was probably fun. 
I'm not mocking. I'm mocking just the idea of how white culture celebrates Cinco de Mayo. Like, let's have Chihuahua races and luchador matches, and here's your tacos, and you're Mexican now. They did oh, drop a hundred tacos with parachutes off the top. Oh, of the that's fantastic! It's a good taco joint in Tulsa if you ever come. And my other podcast released a few episodes in our stead or in our absence. Ooh. That's been a fun time. Nice. We dropped Social Distortion this week and Showbiz by Muse last week. Oh, okay. Their debut album. Yeah. Yeah. 90s content in a podcast might be the only podcast where I might consistently know the material with respect to a music podcast. I bet everything we're covered. Well, we just recorded Rising Tide by Sunny Day Real Estate, which I think may be a bit obscure for some folks. Sunny Day Real Estate sounds familiar. Do they have a one hit that it made it to Mix 96 or something like that? Why does that sound familiar? Movie? Is it used in the soundtrack? Probably. They're the grandfather or like the fathers of modern emo. Nice. Mm -hmm. Anthony, what's been going on with you? Nothing. You got a tattoo. I did get a new tattoo. It's an Ovid quote. Got it in Latin. That translates to be patient and tough. Someday this pain will be useful to you. I love that. Which I like that sentiment. Yeah. Whoever did the script did a very good job. Yeah. New place. I feel like most of my tattoos are all from different artists, which I kind of like that. Yeah. Uh, I also had a kid's birthday party this weekend. A coworker's son just turned one. It was my first experience with a creature known as JJ from Coco Melon. And he was a terrifying giant baby head thing. They got like one of those actors in a suit to come and it was terrifying. And one of the dads there, I was wearing my Freddy Krueger shirt and he was like, I think I'd rather run into him in my dreams than this guy. And I was like, yeah, for real. Oh my gosh. It's just a big headed baby. I mean, if you look at the pictures I posted from that party, it was somebody in a one of those like suits that they went, you know, they hired a guy in a suit to come for the baby. And the kids were going nuts. And I was like, this is terrifying. So, yeah, I don't know. People out there with very, very young children who are watching stuff like Coco Melon, I know it's up with y'all, but I know when I have kids, I'm sticking to Sesame Street and the classics. <laughs> so i saw these pictures and i neglected to even notice the gigantic baby he was terrifying and then of course for somehow i end up on like the buffet line right next to him i don't know how he ate with those weird hands but he was like getting food in costume and like i was like excuse me and he looks at me and i'm like (laughs) And he and he and he like puts up a hand to high five me. And I'm like, this is terrifying. I'm gonna have nightmares about this. Oh gosh. Let's see what else. I've been watching Ted Lasso. Are you caught up, Tom? Nice. I'm behind. Final season was pretty good. Man, Success- I, hate Nate. Oh, I do too. I do too. One of the most hateable characters on all of television. Succession has been amazing. If all those of y'all not watching it, there's still time to catch up before the finale, and you can easily binge three and a half seasons in the next few weeks because it's such a great show. And this past episode, I well, I mean, this whole season, they're going to sweep the Emmys next year. I'm calling it now. All the acting Emmys are going to go 
to them. I've been watching two new shows on HBO, miniseries. I've been watching Love and Death with Elizabeth Olsen. Oh, with Scarlet Witch, yep. Where she plays Candy Monroe, you know, that whole murder. And I've been watching The White House Plumbers with uh, Woody Harrelson and Justin Theroux, which yeah. those two are just very funny together. And they're both good. Well, oh, they're very good. Very, very nice. good. It's so funny. I saw a meme, you know, because Elizabeth Olsen is in her renaissance and the one Culkin brother is on succession, Kieran Culkin. And the meme was like, man, imagine going back to the 90s and telling kids that Elizabeth Olsen and Kieran Culkin would be the famous Olsen and Culkin in like 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> We do have some Christmas movie news. Ooh, do share. I think we have three new Christmas movies coming out this year on top of that Red movie with Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have one called It's a Wonderful Knife. And the story is saying, Idyllic Angel Falls, a year after saving her town from a psychotic killer on Christmas Eve. Winnie's life is less than wonderful, but when she wishes she'd never been born, she finds herself in a nightmare parallel universe and discovers that without her, things could be much, much worse. Interesting. Stars Joel McHale, written by the guys who wrote that movie Freaky, which got good critical reviews, so we'll see. Joel McHale? Yeah. Joel McHale's going to be in it, Jane Widdup from Yellow Jackets, and Justin Long. Cancer Man is in it from the X-Files, William B. Davis. Have y'all seen Joel McHale's Animal Control show? No, you yes. said good though, right? I have. I liked it at first. It's getting a little same story um, every episode. I'm honestly not the biggest fan of Joel McHale. Yeah. We went over that when we covered Community. Yeah. We did. If you want to know why Anthony is not a big fan of Joel McHale, please reference back to our Community episode. Um, we have a movie coming out called There's Something in the Barn, which is described as being an ambitious artistic bridge between American classics and Norwegian mythology that is like Gremlins meets Home Alone meets National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. That's a lot of meats. The story follows a typical American family who inherit a farm in the Norwegian mountains and cross paths with a tree little creature from Nordic folklore, the barn elf. The family must avoid incurring the wrath of this gnome-like Santa by skewing all bright lights and loud noises and making sure to leave a bowl of porridge on Christmas Eve. I mean, I love the cover art for this. Yeah. Looks great. Looks like an 80s horror flick cover art. And then we have The Guns of Christmas Past starring Leif Schreiber, uh, described as a Christmas carol meets John Wick. The film will follow Ebb, a former mob hitman that's brought out from hiding when his former best friend and partner is killed. Ebb penetrates the compound of his enemy to exact revenge, but the ghosts of past, present, and future all arrive to thwart his plan. Seems like we're getting a lot of Christmas action-y type movies this year. Yeah, I think we have somebody to thank for that. Cool. I think we have... Huh? It's me. It's me. Oh, we have David Harbour, I think. I would like to thank for that. That's what we have to thank for that. And I'm surprised Guys, that formula works. Make more. I'm surprised they didn't... Because they're working on a sequel, I thought for sure they would have had a sequel out this year, but I guess not. Turn it in a year. Hopefully they're going to do it right, and it'll take them a little longer. Those types of movies, they usually just get out quick. It's true. And Halloween news, Beetlejuice 2 is officially a go. It comes out September 6th, 2024. It is filming now, by the time this episode drops, officially. So after years of rumors... 
Michael Keaton is putting that pinstripe suit back on. Man. And I'm super excited. He's coming back. Winona Ryder's coming back. Jenna Ortega is playing Lydia's daughter, which is spot on. And Justin Theroux is going to be in it. So, And Tim Burton's coming back. And Danny Elfman. Confirmed. I mean, I don't love Beetlejuice, but I do love Michael Keaton. So, I would hazard a guess... And I don't necessarily like this trend, but I think it would work here, where they're not going to let the bad guy be the bad guy type thing. Like, remember in the 90s, they had the Beetlejuice cartoon that was really popular, where he's more of a mm-hmm. mischievous spirit, but in, all in all, he's, like, kind of harmless. He actually gets along with Lydia. Right. I would hazard a guess they're going to go that route, because in thir- the past 30 or 40 years... People love Beetlejuice. I think people forget he was a evil demon. (laughs) (laughs) So I would hazard a guess that he'll be more, uh, you know, anti-hero than antagonist, and there'll be a bigger bad than him. Hmm. You okay with that? So Jenna Ortega was in this cute kids show for years. what was it called? Well, you know, she was in the movie like Yesterday. She was the voice of Ella, uh, Elena of Avalor. She was on Jane the Virgin. Uh, and then she was also a Disney Channel actress. But and that- I, those days are gone. She has she is the modern day Christina Ricci, right? I mean, she's basically the goth horror girl now. Yeah. You know what I just said? Yeah, yeah I'm agreeing with you. Yeah. <laughs> So, but, and I'm fine with it. She does it well. She does so. do it well. And I'm just her, waiting for either Marvel or DC to snatch her up for a big franchise because you know that's coming. And I'm upset Marvel snatched up Mia Goth for Blade because I wanted DC to snatch her up. But so, but I like her. So all three of those movies are action slash horror Christmas movies. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we have that rock one with J.K. Simmons coming out this year as well, called Red. We do. Oh, and Mean One is coming out. That's like the Grinch horror movie, the Mean One, which was supposed to come out last year, but they pushed it to this year. Is that the one that we saw stuff on and we thought it was a joke? Maybe. I mean, the guy playing the Grinch is the same guy who's in the makeup as Art the Clown in the Terrifier movies, which I love. So I know he's a scary dude. Uh, speaking of that stuff, Halloween in general, so Patreon, while it's been slow recently, I've been starting to schedule some Halloween content coming up, and our good friends Jay Skipworth and Ron Hogan, uh, along with Matt Spaulding and Jerry D and Kendall, all of whom I know are horror people, mm-hmm. we're doing an episode under this month where... We will all be choosing our top 10 iconic horror movie moments. So that'll uh, be dropping around Halloween, which is fun. When are are we recording this? Do you want to hop on? You're more than welcome. I didn't think you were a horror fan. Uh, I was a big, like back in the day, I was a big B-rate horror fan. Like I've seen all the 80s and 90s B-rate horrors. So I could go back and think. Have you seen Society? I don't think so. 
Julia, where did you learn about society? <laughs> On a podcast recommendation from Anthony. <laughs> uh, my life is consumed with with recommendations from Anthony, which is so funny. So I'm watching The West Wing because Anthony, and I'm listening to and binging the Ruined podcast because of Anthony. And the premise is one girl is terrified by horror movies and always wants to know what happens in them, but she will never go see them because they're too scary and she can't handle it. And the other one is like dead obsessed with horror movies. So the scared one watches the trailer and makes opinions about what the movie will be like. And the actual one, the one that loves horror flicks, walks her through the entire movie and makes her guess at certain points, you know, who's going to survive, what are our fatal mistakes and stuff like that. And I've been binging that podcast because it's a great podcast. Um, the hosts are a little obnoxious, but the way they cover horror flicks are like, like Anthony could have done this. Like, mm-hmm. like this is just two different humans that are like us because that's how I am with them. And um, so they've covered like the most obscure 80s trash horror flicks. And one of them is Society. And I'm like, it's one of those where you're like, this is a real movie they made. Why? Um, so fun though. Highly recommend. And the, the content the, they cover is just great. And the opening will be stuck in your head because it's an earworm. It's ruined. Yeah. All day. <laughs> <laughs> It's so good. I keep pitching them on Twitter and I keep liking my tweets, but they haven't done it yet. Keep pitching oh. them. Cover Terrifier. <laughs> I want to see it. That's like an 80s B movie that's just made these past few years. And I want to see them cover it. <laughs> speaking of a lot of 80s movies. Speaking of B movies. Yeah. Jerry Jerry Seinfeld. The B movie. <laughs> oh, haha. That's ha uh, 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 Still one of the weirdest movies. I don't ever. like that one. Not a fan. No. It was weird. It was like the bee falls in love with a human woman who oh, falls in love like with him. Yeah. There yeah. was a deal with like animated films focusing on bugs for a while in like the nineties yeah, or the two thousand. That was a thing. That was a the thing. Bugs Life. Ants with a Z. Yeah. That had like bad words and stuff in it. It did. Yeah, ants uh, with a Z had bad words in it. Yeah, absolutely, because it was playing in our pediatrician's office, and I'm like, why are they playing this one? And then like, they dropped a bad word, and somebody went up and told the desk, "This isn't a kids' movie." You know, for those who have not seen Guardians of the Galaxy yet, just be warned: there is one. Marvel has their first F bomb, um, and it's. If you like animals, it's kind of hard to watch. I'll just say that. It's very intense for like an adult who likes animals. I I would not have been able to handle it as a kid. And I know they're CGI animals, but there's a lot of animal cruelty and stuff. And it's very hard to watch. Beyond our little friend? Beyond Rocket? Yeah, Beyond Rocket? Yeah, yes. It's a very heart heartbreaking scene. It's like, I was like... You, Oh, oh my God. It was like viscerally affecting me in the theater. Oh, that's so very hard to, very hard to watch. Yeah. He has a bunch of friends. He has an otter friend named Lila and a walrus friend named Teeth and a rabbit friend named Floor because she lies on the floor and she doesn't know any better. And yeah, 
So take that as you will, because they're all friends in Rocket's past. So whether they're in the future, guys, or the present, take that for what you will, and just be very warned. They did. But fantastic movie. One of Marvel's best, period. But it's I could not have handled it as a kid. So it's hmm, a good call out. Thank you. Yeah. Speaking of things I can't handle, I was able to handle as a kid, but not so much as an adult. (laughs) Tonight, we are covering, for some reason, the 1998 Richie Rich Christmas movie. Richie Rich's Christmas Wish. Which is technically a sequel to the theatrical film, technically. With a different cast, all different cast. And in no way related to the to the original film, except for the fact that they share names. I feel like the house isn't even the same. Anthony, you said the it house best. House is clearly a hotel. You said it best when you said Eloise did a great job of having a theatrically released movie and then following up with a Christmas TV special. They kept the original cast. We had the same Eloise. We had Julie Andrews. Everything was top notch. For the most part, there was a lot of scraping the bottom of the barrel for this one. And even the big stars that we saw were so disguised out of embarrassment that they were hard to recognize. There were definitely a few big names in here, which I was surprised at watching that today. So let's start with histories. I had fortunately lived 41 and a half years of my life without any contact with this movie that sadly ended yesterday evening. And for that, I have none other to blame than Anthony Caruso. So we're kind of on, on, on shaky ground right now. Anthony, why don't you tell us how this abomination came into your world and you projected it onto Julia and me? <laughs> okay, well, to start with the latter question, I projected it onto all of us because year six, guys, year five and a half, year six, we are scraping the barrel in some cases. We're trying to save the best content for later in the year. So these summer months, you really have to pull out some odd ones. So you're welcome. Secondly, my history here. As with many of the histories, I feel like, uh, it started with the ABC Family's 25 Days of Christmas. It's got a lot of airtime in the mm. late 90s, early 2000s. Um, like in the, you know, right after school block of chunk of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I watched it a few times. Not only that, we had the VHS. Whoa. So, That's like a whole nother level of commitment. Somewhere in your family thought it was a good idea to buy a copy of this film? It was a Christmas movie. Anyway. uh, (laughs) Anyway, uh, I remember enjoying it well enough as a kid. Like, it was never one of my favorites, but if it was on, I watched it. Uh, So when I added this to the list, I was like, "Eh, this can't be so bad. I remember it was fine as a kid. And, oh boy, this is a case where there's... uh, you know, the nostalgia, rose-colored, rose-tinted glasses were shattered within two minutes as an adult. And uh, it was painful watching it today. Um, 
I will say now, Freeform's 25 Days of Christmas. I think they still do play this at least once a year, but as we'll get into when we go through uh, listener comments, it's usually around 5 a.m. <laughs> when nobody's watching it, watching the channel. So, yeah. What about you, Julia? Um, I I really like the premise of Richie Rich. I always have. I actually like the Macaulay Culkin movie quite a lot. Probably nostalgia because I would have been like just the right age for that to resonate with me in the same way that like Mighty Ducks resonated and other things. I had never heard of this one. And until I watched it today, I thought it was going to be animated per the animated Richie Rich series that was also around in the 90s or whenever it was that I vaguely remember. And I was quasi excited about it because I love nostalgic animated movies, especially Christmas ones. Uh, this is live action, I learned. And and this was just like an hour and 24 minutes. I'm never going to get back in my life. Let me ask you, based on the storyline, what it was trying to accomplish, do you think if you had seen this in a in an animated setting, you would have enjoyed it more? Probably. It definitely has like a cartoon type storyline. Yeah, hundred percent. It was very cartoonish. I think I would have enjoyed it as well. Yeah. Uh, they, I mean, they didn't even have the budget for live action for some of the stuff they were trying to do. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that was actually. I did. I liked the Macaulay Culkin, Richie Rich theatrical film as well. Um, and, you know, the little comics they always had in the newspapers were always funny yeah. enough. Yeah. Were you a fan of Richie, the Richie Rich original movie, Tom? Uh, it was funny. Macaulay Culkin was always entertaining. Mm-hmm. He was such a good child actor. Yeah. Really strong in everything he did. Always. I. <laughs> This movie has some of the worst child acting we have seen in any movie we've covered. And I go back to episode three of our show, and we covered Home Alone for the very first time. I said McCully Culkin skated by on cuteness. And while I still think that is true, I still think that's true. He was never a great actor. Man, he seems like Shakespeare compared to the guy who took over the role of Richie Rich in this. And Julia, you mentioned this is an hour and 24 minutes. Yeah. Oh, man. It was. It was and it felt like three hours. Felt every second of that time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't say this lightly. And I know I have a rep- reputation for being somewhat negative at times. I legitimately. Is that all of iTunes reviews implying you're somewhat negative? That's basically what I'm talking about. That's what I'm, so I'm trying to be more positive. <laughs> Uh, and and answered all the hate, but I don't think there was a single part of this movie that I enjoyed. I do not remember laughing once Mm-mm. or having a smile on my face, and that doesn't happen very often. Mm-hmm. There's one part of this movie I enjoyed, and that's the dog. That was Dollar because eh, it's like I said before. Yeah, it's like I said before, <laughs> like. In really crappy movies, at least the dogs stand, the dogs stand out and are cute when they're on screen. And I always liked Richard's dog, like the little dollar signs on him instead of spots. Me too. I always love that so much. That. Yeah. Yeah. Should we get into the cast? We have to. Let's. Uh, well, first, who directed this monstrosity? 
It was not me. John Murkowski directed this. He is known for directing this, Black Cadillac, and Freeway Killer, and Assimilate. He's got a few things out right now, TV movies that have been a little more recent. He directed The Shoplifting Pack, Love at First Like, You Can't Escape Me, The Date Whisperer, Labor of Lies, and Sinister Stepsister. Wait, he directed Sinister? Sinister no. Stepsister. Oh, I was about to say. No. no, Wu no. did the Sinister movies, right? Do you mean Juan? Juan, not Wu. Forgive me. <laughs> and do you know how I know that information that I improperly misquoted? The Ruined Podcast. <laughs> okay. You uh, well, me. They put you wrong then because Scott Derrickson did. Just sinister. kidding. It's not Sinister. It's the other one that's almost exactly like Sinister. Insidious. Insidious. <laughs> that's the oh, one. Yeah, that, was, that makes sense. Oh, my God. <laughs> I died laughing during that podcast, by the way, when she started doing the Tiptoe Through the Tulip song, because that's exactly uh, what that song sounds like. And that yeah. song is so creepy. Anyway. That was well done. Okay. Not Macaulay Culkin, but David Gallagher plays Richie Rich. And David Gallagher was Simon Camden on Seventh Heaven. Mm-hmm. That was it. Which I did send y'all a weird Instagram about Seventh Heaven today. Did y'all watch it? No. Yep. <laughs> Go watch it after this. It just shows how weird these episodes were. So he's he was done also every... in Super Eight, but I he don't. He was. He was Donnie in Super Eight. That's one of the most un underrated films ever. That would be so freaking good. I love that movie. But like, which one is Donnie? There's no pictures from it. I have no clue. And, I, and maybe I haven't watched that movie in a long time. But I just remember watching that. I was like, this is pure 80s goodness. And it so deserves good. a better reputation. It has a bad reputation? It's Spielberg for crying out loud. Uh, it was not. It was Abrams. Spielberg was the producer of it, though. Yeah, there you go. Written, directed by Abrams, it. produced but produced it. It was written and directed by Abrams and produced by Spielberg. He played the pothead. Oh, okay. All right. But nothing terribly big over there. He's done a lot of stuff and a lot of roles in shows like The Vampire Diaries, the CSI shows, Criminal Minds. Bones. SVU has he been on SVU? Bones. I don't see him on SVU. Surprisingly well. not. He played Dorian Gray in the picture of Dorian Gray, the contemporary Oof. adaptation in 2007. Weird choice. Weird decision there. I love the picture of Dorian Gray, not the movie. No, I do too, but like weird choice to cast him as Dorian Gray. I mean, yes. he's pretty beautiful in Super 8. He was the little boy, the child, and look who's talking to. Oh. oh wow. So. Well, all right. Playing his antagonist in this, Reggie is. Reggie. Ray, this guy. 
Jake Richardson. And Jake Richardson has been in the Jay and Silent Bob movies. He was in Clerks oh. 2. He was in Jay and Silent Bob Reboot and Strike Back. The, um... I know him most from Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves. Okay. His hair evolution on IMDb is really something to see. He was also in, do you remember the, t- the Disney film Toothless with Kirstie Alley where she dies and becomes a tooth fairy? She's like a bad person and to avoid going to hell, they make her the tooth fairy. Yeah. Dang. Are you serious? Wow. Yep. Is this 90s Disney? This is, it is 90s it? Disney. 90s and, Disney had some and, like real choices they made. At the end, like I forget what happened, but they put her in the elevator and she starts descending to hell. And then she wakes up and it turns out they give her a second chance at life. But like you see fire and smoke coming out. He's descending and like she's like climbing the cage and but that she wakes up. Post horrifying as a child. <laughs> well. He also was on Seventh Heaven one time. No, oh, okay. Now let's look at the adults that we have in this film. Luckily, we've covered a lot of these adults before. We just get to do a slam dunk out of the gate. Eugene Levy plays Professor Keenbean. And I didn't recognize him at first. Oh boy, this is isn't even recognizable. No, this is the the single worst Eugene Levy I've seen. Oh, and I I'm a yeah. Eugene Levy fan. Yeah. Did he like lose a bet? Did he need a paycheck? What was going on with Eugene Levy? You know what? There was that this time toward the late eighties, early two thousand, but he's doing like the Olsen twin movies, and like I think ABC Eugene Levy. Yeah, this is like the low point of his career. Yeah, he learned at that moment. Don't make a deal with Disney for X amount of pictures I'm required to do. Our other friend in this is the ballet butler Cadbury, who is played mm-hmm. by Keen Curtis. His final role before he died. Oh, oh poor guy. Hurts. What's yeah. he most known for? Because he's super familiar. He was like a British, I believe, like just character actor. He's been in loads of stuff. But Tom, you can correct me if I'm wrong. You're right. He's done a lot of TV shows, one-offs. He was a recurring character for 15 episodes on Cheers. John Allen Hill. He was a... Go ahead. I guarantee you, listeners, if you don't know the name, you've probably seen him in something. Because he's been in loads of TV. He plays Eisenhower in the movie IQ. Yeah, he's in a lot of stuff. Love that movie. And his career is pretty lengthy. He went, uh, he started back in 1948. He was in the original Dark Shadows, too. Wow. He was. That's where I most know him from. Yes. So. I mean, y'all are Smurfs fan. He's also Lord uh, Balthazar. Multiple years. Yep. Yep. he He was the voice of Balthazar. Yeah, so. Poor guy, though. This was his last role. Yeah, ending on this seems. He had some not so great other stuff. He was a voice in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure cartoon. I didn't even know that was a cartoon. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. In fairness, though, here's a statement that's going to make people hate me. 
I dislike those movies very much. Which ones? Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? Yeah. Oh. And I will, I will say, and here, here, I'm just going to dig this hole deeper for myself, listeners. They'll come at me. Those movies and that whole point in Keanu's career was his low point. Keanu was never the good actor he is until recent years. <laughs> okay, and covering now, Richie's dad is Martin Mull. We have covered him in a few episodes. When we did the Clue episode, he was in Jingle All the Way and the Sabrina episodes that we did. Mm-hmm. Uh, can I just say, by the way, this movie makes Jingle All the Way looks like a masterpiece. Yeah. Agreed. Mrs. Rich is played by Leslie Ann Warren, who was on a... F- she we covered her before. Clue. She was Miss Scarlet. That's right. Yeah. It's funny, Miss Scarlet and Colonel Mustard are married in this, because in Clue, they hated, she, they hated each other. They got some that mm-hmm. movie. <laughs> So I think that's everybody we need to cover, right? Well, uh, we should put in there was an appearance on Michelle Trachtenberg, which mm-hmm. I think was the same year as Harriet the Spy. She did have an appearance in this. She was his friend Dawn. Gloria. And she was Dawn in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. She was on Robot Chicken. She has another movie we haven't covered yet. If we're looking for more stuff that's not this to fill our calendar moving forward called The Christmas Gift. Hmm. She hasn't been in any any movies since 2014. Oh, wow. She was in The Christmas She's, Gift in 2015. That's TV, sorry. I, I meant theatrical. It, it does count, yeah. No, I mean, she's had a big it's, career. She was in, like, 17 again. She, she played herself oh, in an episode of John Oliver. Did we we cover her in Black Christmas 2006? No, that is the no, that's the one version of the the one version you ever done. So thanks for reminding me. That has to go back on the list for this year. Thanks for reminding me. That has to go back on the list for this year. Uh, Yeah, that's the one where we get where we get Mrs. So why did you bring that up? I was about to say. So time time stamp this. Timestamp this because it's Tom's fault that when he, when he rages fault. in a few months, why did we put this on the list? We can point back to Richard. <laughs> the cast at least looks better for that one. For this one, is that the one? With actually, that, I actually no. I don't know where I pulled that out of. That's not from the I, ruined podcast. Just I actually think that it. one may be my favorite of the three Black Christmases, which isn't saying much, but I think. Uh, at least cast wise it had the best cast for sure so this movie it's a it's a movie i can say that it is it is a a movie that has a true statement. people <laughs> and it starts and ends that's going to be the best thing i'm going to think i'm going to say about the entire movie so it opens up and we have richie rich and as a kid, the cartoon version of Richie Rich, everything he had was so cool. Yeah. Like Richie was the cool kid in the 80s. The contraptions and the gadgets and gizmos and the technology that he had was the stuff of dreams. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was he had, cool. He had gadgets and gizmos of plenty. 
Uh, Boozits and Wetsits galore. There you go. In this, he has run down fake washing machines and what looks like somebody tried to recreate Rosie from the Jetsons. From the Jetsons. That's 100% what it was. With stuff they found in a trash can. I felt bad for Rosie. Do you do you remember those old those old after school like programming on PBS that had really low budgets and everything looked fake, all the sets and props? This is what that looked like, like a PBS special, <laughs> like Power Rangers or Big Bad Beetleborgs or something. Yeah, yeah. Even and to your point, Julia, even like they couldn't even use the same exterior, like in establishing shots for his house. Nope. This house looks like a rundown hotel on the outside. And there's like heaps of fake snow. Like falling from the sky. Like the snow on the ground looks legitimate enough. Like that might have been real snow. I'm not sure. It was not bad. But the like, but the snow falling from the sky. You could tell it was superimposed over it the was. it was so bad. And how and how fake the snow looked on a person. Yeah. Cool. How about the weird use of green screen? Like you have, it, it was so obvious. You had Richie Rich standing in the middle of that town. But the town is green screen behind him. Like, why didn't you just put him on the street? Right? Oh, so many questions. But do you feel like you got the sense that he was super rich? No. And... and- it wasn't just a lack of gadgets. How did they try and portray that he was super rich? He had a million servants. It the he amount had... of servants. Yeah. <sighs> Not the stuff he had. You would you would have you would have thought he lived in Buckingham Palace, the amount of servants he had in this movie. You know what? And it it worked so much less. So in the Macaulay Culkin, Richie Rich, like you assume they have a lot of servants. You definitely see servants in that movie, but it's like his personal relationship with the servants that help him on a regular basis that made you think like, oh, look, he's, and he had like, he was friendly because Richie Rich is a nice kid, right? That's the whole thing is he's the super rich kid, but he's also kind and giving and he wants real friends and like all of this stuff, but like that works. But in this one, it's like in the first four, but what feels like 16 minutes of this movie, it's him getting his outdoor winter clothes from like literally 23 different servants with trays stationed from his room to the to the exterior of his house. Well, just standing again, there with trays. Like what's the would, payroll for that operation? Again, I would point to the Eloise movies where Eloise, she lives at the plaza, but again, she has those personal relationships with the entire staff. She's not mm-hmm. bossing them around like a spoiled rich girl. Right. Which rich so rich doesn't do in this, not, but just the sheer volume. It's like you're trying to tell us the story with but, the wrong elements. You're right. He doesn't do that in this, but he also lacks personal connection with all of them, except Eugene Levy and um, the main Cadbury. butler, Cadbury. Cadbury. Yeah. Like, so it just seems cold, almost. It comes across as cold and distant, even though he wasn't being directly cold and distant. The other problem I have with his relationship with the servants is Eugene Levy's character is a buffoon. Right. And again, going back to what Richie Rich was, what my nostalgia factor for Richie Rich was, his gadgets were cool. Oh, um, Anthony? Uh Should we uh, go ahead and apologize to one of our listeners right now, Rebecca? 
We are sorry. Uh, Rebecca Bowles, longtime listener, told us that she's a fan of this. I highly recommend stopping this podcast right here. You're not going to like this by the end. And not even Julie is here to save you for this one. I'm not. But I do love you. We all do. We all do. Um, so to your point that Eugene Levy is a fool, I would agree with you, but I, and it didn't work for me, but I think they were going for the whole mad scientist. I think they were going for that whole, like, I mean, even in Back to the Future, right? Doc Brown is considered a fool by everyone and he has more mistakes than actual, you know? Yeah, but Levy doesn't, he comes, he doesn't come off as eccentric. No, they tried to make him look like Einstein with black hair. That's who he tried to look like. He had the messy black hair and the mustache. Yeah. Such a waste. Such a waste. It was a huge You have waste. Eugene Levy for crying out loud. And his big contraption in this film is a wish machine. And <laughs> powered by the wishbone of a, some, a, a stegosaurus or something. The well, biggest wish. Were. Biggest wish like, where did on that the planet? Come from? I don't know. I don't know. You get, so in the world of this movie, you get wishbone at Thanksgiving, and whoever gets the biggest piece, or the what is it, the biggest piece or shortest piece? Biggest piece. Biggest, biggest yeah. piece wins. Get their wishes actually come true? Uh-huh. Because this guy needs a wishbone to power his wish machine. <laughs> anyway, and he shows it off to Richie Rich, who wishes for a piece of pie. And out of this machine, which again, it looks like a washing, a plastic washing machine, uh-huh. which swirls like a really bad CGI vortex inside, <laughs> it spits out a pigsty. And it That's leaks wild. out what looks like pig crap. That was pig crap. So, awful. Yeah. It was just awful. So in, in this, he's got this, this buffoon who can't make anything right has created a remote control for a sleigh that's going to take Santa and Richie Rich for some reason, but not his parents to take presents to well, Santa, his, which is Cadbury dressed as Santa. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, which, by the way, Richie Rich finds out that Cadbury has a tattoo on his ankle because he used to be part of a rock band called the Root Canal. Oh my gosh. And what was their hit song? Oh, what was it? It was something really stupid. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, what happens with this sleigh, and how does it go wrong? Well, Um, we've not introduced our villain. Go for it. Who is our villain? Our villain in the movie is a Richie Rich aged kid, and they're related, right? Sort of. It's his nephew. It's his cut. It's his cousin, and who's. Parents, so his uncle is played by Mr. Littman on Seinfeld for our Seinfeld fans. Uh, that's his uh, Reggie's father, and his mother is played by Marla Maples. Right, and his name is Reggie Van Doe, and he's what everybody th- thinks probably upon hearing about Richie Rich. Thinks what Richie Rich is. This kid is has a ton of money. Not as much as Richie Rich, but he has a ton of money and he, he is entitled and he's super rude to yes. all the wait staff and the assistants working on, on he is exactly property. what property. To your point, Julia, Richie Rich should be. 
right? And that's what makes Richie Rich as a character in a good movie so special. It's that despite the staff and the money and this giant house, he is so grounded and known to her. Right. But Reggie Van Doe is all the opposites. Plus, it's just a spoiled, rotten brat. So he's lamenting the entire time about everything, but mostly about how he needs more money, right? He he should right. have what Richie Rich has. And so when Richie Rich and Cadbury are on their way to deliver presents, he obviously stumbles upon the remote that controls the sleigh and sabotages the entire endeavor, almost killing okay. people. Well, that's, that's my... kid. So I was watching this. So Sarah's been sick recently. So I came from work and watched this today. And she was watching some of it with me. And as the scene was playing out, she was like, so this kid is literally uh, instigating a terrorist attack in town by trying to run down uh, household of orphans and then send Richie Rich and Cadbury over a cliff. And I was right. like, well, I was like, well, when you put it that yeah, when you put it that way, yeah, it, it's an act of domestic terror on this kid's yeah. part. This kid's got some, he's seriously emotionally disturbed. Absolutely. He is. Um, but this obviously, as it does in most specials of this nature, especially in the 90s and early 2000s, Richie Rich thinks he has ruined christmas because oh, the man. sleigh is exploded and oh, oh, he's hurt and 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 this part made me laugh unintentionally it's not supposed to be funny but just as stupid apparently richie rich could eavesdrop on every conversation private conversation his parents have in the house by just mm-hmm. typing a few things in a really CGI computer and it could pull up video footage from anywhere in the mansion and he hears his parents lamenting about Richie Rich and he listens for a total of three seconds before turning that thing off and if he had listened for two seconds longer this whole mess of a movie could have been avoided because his parents are talking about how bad they feel for what happened to Richie on that sleigh yeah, but he interprets it yeah, he interprets it as his parents are upset with him and he disappointed them. Right, right. Crossed wires. Um, so this leads him to find his way to the uh, lab or whatever. And he's he does the, the tried and true Christmas trope of, you know what? I'm going to do, I'm going to do it. It's a wonderful life right here, right now. I think everything would have been better if I'd just never been here. But ultimately what he's wishing for is if I was never rich. Which But he says he wishes he was never born. Right. Wishes he was never born. So he wakes up the next day because the Washington does magic. <laughs> oh my God. He wakes up in his bedroom. Right. Which he doesn't notice at all that the aesthetic has changed at all dramatically dramatically changed and he runs out to play because that's what he does every day well he first he tries to get a shower in his clothes all right well no he went that was not a shower remember that's how he got dressed oh but then he turned into a shower right But we are anyway. in an alternate reality at this point. And now it's a shower. And so, but he hears all the kids throwing stuff at the windows, throwing snow at the window. And he goes to run down there 
and they think it's Reggie coming and that they're in trouble. And they go to hide. Yeah, so Reggie took over his life. Uh, he has Richie's parents now. And somehow this kid, he's like the dictator of the world or something because buildings yeah. are named after him, towns are named after him. He is controlling like the parents' business. Like this guy is like... <laughs> well, well, they're not his parents in this, remember? They adopted him or something and he oh, sued yeah. them. It's his money, and he sued them for the way they were handling his money and won. Well, kudos to Richie, because he realizes almost immediately, hey, the world's not better if I wasn't for it. But now he has to <laughs> set things right, because nobody recognizes him, so he has to reestablish relationships with like his friends and Cadbury and people like that again. The only one who recognizes him is Dollar, the dog. And I thought if there's one thing that made sense in this movie, it was that the dog, a dog is so in love with their human that even in an alternate timeline, they would recognize him. <laughs> that just makes sense for a dog's personality in my mind. Um, parents, parents, no, no, no. Dog, <laughs> he's on it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Reggie also controls the police force because when he finds out Richie Rich is in his town he's like find him bring him to me and he has like big brother posters all over the place where he's literally like pointing like Uncle Sam and it says always watching or whatever I'm watching you well, in all there's fairness, like smokestacks coming out of the mansion and like black smoke, and it's just this dystopian reality that Richie Rich has woken up into. <laughs> You're like, like, in all fairness, though, Richie Rich was pretty creepy too. He had a camera that would show his parents wherever and whatever they were doing. <laughs> show me my parents. Now it 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 is. Like, so Reggie does not recognize Richie. The reason he sends everyone after him is because the dog recognizes Richie and goes with Richie. So he claims he's a dog napper or something. Yep. Um, but in this reality, Cadbury is still part of the root canals. He's a groupie. He's not a part of the band. He's just a groupie. Got it. Band. And Keen Bean, he, he has like, what, a a shop of failed experiments, essentially. Aye. And, of course, Keen being the one he gets to remember him for, or believe him first by talking about the wish machine, which in this reality, he had the idea, but he can never get it to work. Which is yeah. very Back to the Future-esque. Yes. Mm -hmm. Next the night, you fall off the toilet and hit your head and think about the idea for the flux. But yeah, like, it was very... Yeah. Yeah. You know what this movie was missing though? Yeah, but we're an iconic 50s dance, school dance, while a lightning storm is running in, and Doc Brown is hanging from the clock tower as Marty McFly is racing the Delorean down the street to hit 80 miles per hour. Among which other the, things, it's missing which, that for sure. Which by the way, that scene still gives me goosebumps in that movie. Like that kind of race against the clock there at the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, so good. 
man, we should have spent our time watching Back to the Future instead. We really should. <laughs> really um, Richie's friends decide to help him now, not because they believe a word he's saying, but because, but because anyone who's against Reggie is good in our book. The enemies so, of my enemies are my friends. Richie decides he's got to get back in side. He needs to get back to the washing machine that somehow shoots circle fire out of a swirling it's like a portal to hell. Basically. <laughs> basically. And so he gets back there and as he's there, Reggie's flying now, because that's a thing he does. Well, he wished it was fly. He could fly, right? Yep. And he's not good at it, though. He didn't wish he was good at it. So he's no, flying he even in his even in his sleep. He he's in the air. Yeah, I don't know if that was the wishing machine messing up, or if that's how they could portray that with their level of CGI skill and budget. I thought it was. I thought it was it messed up because the dog stole the wire. Mm, okay. Oh, so he's definitely but, floating and not flying, and he can't control it, so he's like permanently floating. Yeah, yeah. And so he's trying to float down and get to Richie while Richie's at the at the wishing washing machine. The police show up, and they refuse to do Reggie's work and stop Richie. Yes, because Reggie Reggie for no reason at all wants to cancel Christmas. Yeah, and the cop who was played by Clark Griswold's boss. Mm-hmm. Um. No. That's not his boss. No, the boss, the cop is Richard Reilly, or however you say his last name. He's not the boss. You're the right. The boss was a was a Murray. He was Bill Murray's brother. You're right. You're right. You're right. Um, but still, a totally recognizable '80s face. Yeah, for sure. Hundred percent. Um. Yeah, and he's pissed that Reggie wants to cancel Christmas, so he quits. Uh-huh. Re- Reggie wishes himself home, and he sets things right. And he finds out oh, everyone's been worried about him after the sleigh crash, and no one's right. mad at him. They're they're scared for his well being, which is a big and cry it- from how they were. They were the news media was there talking about how awful of a human being he was. <laughs> Yeah. And they all gather around the Christmas tree. They all gather around the Christmas tree and sing. Now, there isn't the end. We neglected to talk about, not that I want to, the whole part where he has to re-steal this dinosaur bone. Oh, yeah, for the wishing machine to work. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there he finds... There's an extended version of this movie extended tv ending where reggie because there's no consequences for reggie in this no. movie he so the extended TV, redeemed or anything at all the extended tv ending has reggie getting caught by his parents afterwards for his actions against richie and they make him apologize for all the trouble he caused and richie realizes hey it wasn't my fault after all i should have known it was you reggie i wish that all for nothing and they forgive each other Okay, so many problems with that. So many Number problems. one, Reggie's parents would never have held him accountable for anything at all. 
Mm-hmm. No, they were They're because completely they were just inept. as bad as him. Yeah, they were. They were jealous of Richie's parents as well. Number two, what is Richie forgiving Richie for? Because Richie did nothing wrong to him. Right, Richie didn't do, I mean, Richie would absolutely <laughs> forgive Reggie, but like, yeah, not the other way around. There's no redemption for this kid. They made him too bad to have a redeemable moment. Yes. So I keep saying, I keep saying how the building, the house, and this looks like a hotel, not like a manor, like in the first one. And I just looked up. It was the Langham Hotel and Spa in Pasadena, California. So there you go. (laughs) And And the lobby was a bank lobby. Which is why they seem seem very low, uh, homey. Yeah. Hmm. Wow, that's a bad movie. But if the town looked familiar, people may have seen it in Leave It to Beaver and the Munsters and the Burbs because it's the same town. Nice. Hmm. Backlot town. Mm-hmm. Backlot, t- backlot town. That's for Housewives too, because that's the same town as the monsters. Uh, so Universal City. Nice. So I have a question for y'all. Okay. Did this movie need to be? Is this a Christmas movie? No. No. I just going to take place on a Tuesday. But by the sheer, uh, you know what. Yeah, and I'm gonna like get people like Jerry and everyone coming at me now. You're but about I was to about to say, I know. The sheer fact it's parodying one, uh, not parodying, that's basically It's a Wonderful Life. Doesn't that make it a Christmas movie? <laughs> nope. Sure doesn't. No, they could have done that any other time. They could have been taking Valentine's Day presents, they could have been taking clothes <laughs> donations, they could have, I mean, anything. Did this movie feel Christmassy at all? I mean, maybe one or two scenes where you see him coming down and it's decorated, but no. Not even the sleigh with the presents in the back and Cadbury dressed up as a Santa Claus felt Christmassy. Not even, they have this whole big thing outside where it's a tree since its birth, the Christmas tree since its birth. They are supposed to be like billionaires. And this tree was not even Hallmark quality, Hallmark small town quality. You would think they would have put a little extra effort into making the house look nice. Like if this is a Hallmark movie, this house would have been looked like uh, the the Griswold house. Like, could you imagine the manor decorated for Christmas, all the lights and stuff? Like they did not do it at all. Mm-mm. No, not impressed. And there was no like. Christmas music, background music. There were some carols, but nothing real. No. Did it have a Linus moment? No. What about the orphan stuff? The orphanage stuff. But that, that, never mind, because they didn't have Rich. They didn't have Reggie doing anything for them at the end to make up for what he did. Richie was always trying to give them gifts. Right. Right. No. Nope. And she's just been good the whole time. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, y'all. I, so, peek behind the curtain, listeners. When Tom watched this on Monday, he actually texted 
me and Julia in a group, I think it's time to end the show. That's how bad this movie is. <laughs> and, uh, well, I wouldn't go that far. It is definitely one of the worst things we've covered in quite a while. Which mm-hmm. is saying something, because it's not like this year has been full of amazing things. <laughs> Mm-mm. No, that's a low point. The low point, very low point, and the lowest of low points. I don't know. Uh, I don't have any final thoughts. I just want to rank this movie. Yep. All right. What do y'all give it? Point five. Huh? And like the point five I'm giving point it five. is because of that dang dog. Yeah, I will go 0.5 too. So that gives us a 0.5 average. Now, we did get some feedback on this one. Robert Nickerson of Behind the Bells podcast wrote, good luck with this one. This is a very phoned-in sitcom-style movie that makes Jingle All the Way look like It's a Wonderful Life. Um, A few things with that comment, Robert, if you're listening. One, how dare you insult sitcom-style movies? Because this, may, this makes those made-for-TV reunion movies look like masterpieces. Like, I know I already liked the movie, A Very Brady Christmas, but I'm sure, gun to head, Tom and Julia would rather watch that than this. Number two, makes Jingle All the Way look like It's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life is not a Christmas movie. Forget what I just said five minutes ago. Just saying. Agreed. <laughs> Matt Yurick, our good friend Matt Yurick of TGI Podcast wrote, this is one they play at like 5 a.m. on AMC and I've never had any interest in watching it. Valid. Smart smart choice, Matt. Interesting that AMC is giving it airtime during the year though. That's that is very curious to me, even if it is 5 a.m. Uh, Jerry D of Totally Right Christmas just did a hmm, emoji face. So Jerry, not worth your time. And then Rebecca Watt, formerly Rebecca Bowl, wrote, oh my god, the emotional attachment I have to this movie is extreme. Please be gentle. Oh, I'm Apologies. sorry. Apologies. Uh, I'd be curious to know, like, what's the attachment you have, Rebecca? Is it, like, associated? Did it, like, did it just hit at, like, a, like... You know how sometimes when you're feeling low, you just turn on a movie and become attached to that movie because it cheered you up during a certain time? Like, was it one of those type of things? Like, I'm curious. So let us know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know but, either. But who, boy. <laughs> um, watch my smooth transition here, by the way. So they used a different house in the first one they used a british estate in the first one for their house speaking of british estates did y'all watch any of the coronation stuff no but y'all's memes have been keeping me going every day i'm pretty memes are so funny i'm pretty annoyed i'm not gonna lie the memes are the best things to come out of the coronation (laughs) Hmm. i i did watch it uh, because I've had Larry out at 5.45 that I couldn't go back to sleep so I turned on TV and it was on like all the news channels so it's like oh yeah mm-hmm. it was boring he looked bored during it and I was thinking to myself if I was being crowned king 
I'd be a little more giddy if I'd been waiting 74 years of my life for this. I'd be like, hey, keeper of the royal treasure, can I bring this crown home tonight so I can wear it in bed with Camilla? And then I'll give it back. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, brother. I didn't catch any of it. I forgot it was going on until y'all started sending stuff like that. The monarchy is outdated. Should be abolished. Mm -hmm. Down with the crown, as the the protesters are saying in England. The Palace of Versailles. That rhymes. Right? The Palace of Versailles is the most visited place in Europe, like tourist-wise. Now imagine if you opened up Buckingham Palace and all those places the crown still owns, the tourists. They could lower taxes and do so much for their people if they got rid of the mm-hmm. crown and did that. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Anyway. But there's history there too, you know? Correct. There is history. Like colonialism? I mean, yeah. I'm glad Australia is like, no, we're not going to spend all this money to reprint our money with Charles' face on it. We're just going to leave the Queen's face on it. Whereas England and Canada and all the other Commonwealth nations are like, oh yeah, starting next year, Charles' face is going to go into circulation. Like, why are you wasting your money doing that? <laughs> He's going to be dead in five years anyway. <laughs> wow, Anthony, that's really... <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm just saying. I, I, I And maybe, you know what? Probably not, because look at the longevity in his family, honestly. He probably will be around for another 20 years. Because yeah. his family has longevity. But I mean, I don't know. Somebody at work said, like, imagine waiting 74 years, you finally become king, and then, like, you turn, like, two years from now, you drop dead because you're a freaking senior citizen. Oh, my gosh. That's not very nice. Oh, man. He's only 74. You're supporting a president who's going to be older than him when he assumes office for a second term. Yeah, because look at the alternatives. (laughs) I could vote for... An 81-year-old man, or vote for Donald Trump, or a woman who believes that crystals heal her. Who is that? Exactly. Miss, I'm a viable candidate. Why aren't people talking about me on the news? Marianne Williamson. Oh. Anyway, listeners, we have a lot of British listeners. Let us know what you thought of the coronation. Are you pro or anti-royalist? And listeners in general, let us know what you thought about this movie. Um, we well, like, don't put, watch it. I was about to say, we should put the disclaimer at the beginning. We cannot, <laughs> we cannot in good conscience recommend you. <laughs> like, there are some movies we cover where we're like, pause here, go watch the movie and come back. Yeah, we cannot in good conscience recommend that. <laughs> so proceed with caution if you choose to take that upon yourself. And right. we will not be we will not be blamed. Yeah, not our fault. Where can they let us know their thoughts though? I don't know anymore. It's been too long. Go to linktree.com uh, slash tis the podcast. Linktree link slash tis the podcast. Why doesn't my brain retain that? <laughs> I don't understand. Here's a podcast.com 
slash link tree slash will not retain this information <laughs> no part of it it just does it have you link tree slash tis the podcast i was about to say tom can you make that like an actual working link Crap. Uh, i don't know if i can but i can try <laughs> just google tis the podcast and something will come up with link tree in it click on that thing and it'll get you <laughs> to a nice quick link to all of our places um yeah and including our patreon which admittedly we haven't had a lot of stuff on there um where i am starting to fill thanksgiving and halloween content though i mentioned some halloween stuff already we're doing um we're doing a fun halloween bracket with like 40 hollow 40 halloween movies on there or scary movies on there we're kind of pitted like similar ones against against each other like halloween and psycho and the conjuring and insidious and stuff and instead of filling out our own brackets a bunch of us are going to get on patreon and duke it out and we're all gonna like argue majority rules like which ones advance until we get to the number one scary movie <laughs> so that'll be fun that will so, be fun don't have that one scheduled yet but now that i know tom is a scary movie fan i'll let him know uh, I may just come on and troll y'all to throw things off as much. <laughs> Even better. Uh, so stuff is coming. I do still want to get Julia and Tom on to do The Last of Us at some point. Yeah. Let's do that soon. Yeah. Well, it's still fresh in my brain. And yeah. So things are coming. Next week, we are on hiatus again. Thank you, Hannah Colburn. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the week after that we are back with another comic strip turned film turned made for tv movie sequel with a dennis the menace christmas is it live action it is also live action i'm not <laughs> editing that one i am not hosting or editing this one y'all no julia's that one. Oh, mr wilson and actually i don't remember that movie i haven't seen it in a long time but if i'm remembering it correctly i think that one has a very similar it's a wonderful life except it's mr wilson who has the whole hey i was too mean to miss to dennis and the neighbors and stuff type thing great so that'll be fun That's that will a be a, for it. that will be a recording oh it's got the dad is played by the by the the <laughs> Father of the Bride, Brian from Father of the Bride. Mm -hmm. And then, like, there's some other faces in here that are recognizable. Boy, can't be worse yeah. than this week. Famous, famous last words. Wood to knock on <laughs> for sure. Oh boy. Oh well. If that's not good stuff, at least you'll have us being funny talking our way through it. Yeah. Sometimes the bad ones, when we're all on the same page about what's bad, can be just as fun. Very true. Um, Please tell me who is hosting that one. I need to know now. Julia. Thank God. <laughs> also, speaking of fun, we only have five thousand four. Nope, we have only a five thousand three hundred seventy-six hours until Christmas. That's two hundred and ten days, y'all. No, two hundred twenty-four. I must set up too. Oh, I already, I, I already highlight. Yep. Got it. That's 224 days, y'all. <laughs> That's 32 weeks, y'all. 
hey, something to look forward to. Halfway to Christmas is coming up fast, y'all. Yeah, it is. We leave on day before we know it. Bye, goodbye, goodbye. Bye.